जय राधा माधवा कुंज बिहारी जय राधा माधवा कुंज बिहारी जय गोपी जनवल्लभा जय गिरीवरधारी जय जय गोपी जनवल्लभा जय गिरीवरधारी जय गिरीवरधारी जय यशोदानंदना जय व्रजजनरंजना जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम की श्रीला प्रभुपाद की जय निताय गोर प्रेमानंदे
नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय हरे कृष्णा टुडे वी आर रीडिंग फ्रॉम कैंटो सेवन चैप्टर नाइन चैप्टर नाइन इज एंटाइटल प्रहलाद पैसिफाइज द लॉर्ड विथ प्रेयर्स टुडे वी आर ऑन टेक्स्ट फोर्टी थ्री नैवोद्विजे पर नैवोद्विजे पर वैतरन्यायन महामृतमचि गायन महामृतमचि शोचे तो विमुखचेत इंद्रिया शोचे तो विमुखचेत इंद्रिया माया सुखा भरमूद्वहत विमुधा भरमूद्वहत विमुधाजे पर दुरतरन्यास गायन शोचे तो विमुखचेत इंद्रिया माया सुखा भरमुद्वहत विमुधान नैवोद्विजे पर दुरतरन्यायन महामृतमचि शोचे तो विमुखचेत इंद्रिया माया सुखा भरमूद्वहत विमुधान
वैष्णवीस शोचे तो विमुखचेत माया सुखा भर मुद्वहतो विमुधान न नॉट एव सर्टनली द्विजे आई एम डिस्टर्ब्ड और अफ्रेड पर ओ सुप्रीम दुरत्यया इनसरमाउंटेबल और वेरी डिफिकल्ट टू क्रॉस वैतरण्या ऑफ द वैतरणी द रिवर ऑफ द मटीरियल वर्ल्ड तत्वीर्य of your lordship's glories and activities gayan from chanting or distributing mahamrita in the great ocean of nectarian spiritual bliss magna chittaha whose consciousness is absorbed shoche i am simply lamenting tata from that vimukha chetasaha the fools and rascals who are bereft of krishna consciousness indriya artha in sense gratification maya sukhaya for temporary illusory happiness bharam the false burden or responsibility of maintaining one's family society and nation and elaborate arrangements for that purpose udvahataha who are lifting by making grand plans for this arrangement vimudhan all of them are nothing but fools and rascals i am thinking of them also Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri La Prabhupada. Translation: O best of the great personalities, 
I am not at all afraid of material existence. For wherever I stay, I am fully absorbed in thoughts of your glories and activities. My concern is only for the fools and rascals who are making elaborate plans for material happiness and maintaining their families, societies and countries. I am simply concerned with love for them. Purport. Throughout the entire world, everyone is making big, big plans to uh, adjust the mis miseries of the material world. And this is true at present, in the past and in the future. Nonetheless, although they make elaborate political, social and cultural plans, they have all been described herein as vimudha, fools. The material world has been described in Bhagavad Gita as Dukhalayam Ashaswatam, temporary and miserable. But these fools are trying to turn the material world into Sukhalayam, a place of happiness, not knowing how everything acts by the arrangement of material nature, which works in her own way. Prakriti kriya manani gune karmani sarvashaha ahankara vimudhatma kartaham iti manyate. The bewildered spirit soul, under the influence of the three modes of material nature, thinks himself to be the doer of activities that are in actuality carried out by nature. Bhagavad Gita 3.27. There is a plan for material nature, personally known as Durga, to punish the demons. Although the Asuras, the godless demons, struggle for existence, they are directly attacked by the goddess Lurga, who is well equipped with ten hands with different types of weapons to punish them. She is carried by her lion carrier or the modes of passion and ignorance. Everyone struggles very hard to fight through modes of passion and ignorance and conquer material nature. But at the end, everyone is vanquished by nature's laws. There is a river non Vaitarani between the material and spiritual world and one must cross this river to reach the other side or the spiritual world. This is an extremely difficult task. As the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 7.14, Daivihi Esha Gunamai Mama Maya Duratyaya. This divine energy of mind, consisting of the three modes of material nature, is difficult to overcome. The same word Duratyaya, meaning very difficult, is used here. Therefore, one cannot surpass the stringent laws of material nature except by the mercy of the Supreme Lord. Nonetheless, although all materialists are baffled in their plans, then they try again and again to become happy in this material world. Therefore, they have been described as Vimudha, first-class fools. As for Prahlad Maharaj, he was not at all unhappy, for although he was in the material world, he was full of Krishna consciousness. Those who are Krishna conscious, trying to serve the Lord, are not unhappy, whereas one who has no assets in Krishna consciousness and is struggling for existence, is not only foolish but extremely unhappy happy also. Prahlad Maharaj was happy and unhappy simultaneously. He felt happiness and transcendental bliss because of his being Krishna conscious, yet he felt great unhappiness for the fools and rascals who make elaborate plans to be happy in this material world. Om Ajnanati Mirandhasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim Yat Kripatamaham Vande Shri Guru Dinatarinam Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripasindubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya 
ಪ್ರಭು ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ಅದ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಾದಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ಕೃಷ್ಣ so this verse is talking about we are seeing that prahlad maharaj is continuing his prayers um, and they started quite a few verses ago so he is offering elaborate prayers to narsimha dev we've heard the background in many classes that everybody including you know the highest demigod lord brahma was very afraid to approach lord narsimha dev because he was in such an angry mood after killing hiranyakashipu and therefore they actually sort of pushed prahlad maharaj forward to offer prayers and to pacify prahlad uh, to pacify narsimha dev because they knew the purpose of narsimha dev appearing was to uh, protect prahlad maharaj and therefore just as a lioness is very uh, loving towards its cub but very ferocious towards other animals or other um, human beings so in the same way they knew Pra- narsimha dev being the fierce protector of prahlad maharaj will be pacified only by him and prahlad maharaj has started offering these beautiful eloquent prayers since the last few verses so these are not only his heartfelt prayers and in the previous classes we've heard about the different types of prayers which are offered to the lord um, and you know these prayers are not only his own you know prayers for expressing gratitude for expressing um, glories like glorifying the supreme personality of godhead but they are also full of compassion and that is what we can see in today's verse and in the prabhu purport also prabhupad describes very nicely that prahlad maharaj is saying that i am happy in this even though i am in this material world now we, you know prabhupad is talking about miseries in this material world and how material world is dukhale mashaswatam prabhupad talks about all that in uh, detail in the purport so who's who can have a greater misery than prahlad maharaj actually if you see like many people are miserable in this world some people have health issues some people have financial issues some people have pr issues they are not getting citizenship some people have you know worry about their parents siblings children so everybody has so many miseries but if you compare and see prahlad maharaj miseries were much much greater than what anybody else can experience because at least you know when people have miseries most of them at least have parents who are loving towards them who want to protect them who want to do good for them but prahlad maharaj's own father was after his life and not only was he wanting to kill him but wanting to kill him in very very atrocious and very um, uh, cruel ways if we see and there are so many things hiranyakashipu tried to kill prahlad maharaj imagine putting a small child in front of a mad elephant throwing a child off a cliff so you can imagine the atrocities and the miseries prahlad maharaj had to go through that too at the hands of the person who's supposed to protect him his own father so and despite all these miseries that he had to go through prahlad maharaj is still saying i'm very happy in this world and that he's saying where is my happiness coming from it is coming from the chanting of the holy names and it is coming from being absorbed in your you and your pastimes my lord and prabhupad again describes about that in the purport prabhupad says that you know miseries are going to come nobody is going to be free of miseries the purpose why this material world has been designed is actually to frustrate a human being's efforts to enjoy a jeeva's efforts to enjoy that is the whole purpose of this creation it is to make us so so vexed up and so um, uh, completely giving up because we try 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 to derive some enjoyment but the material world is not designed for that it is designed to give us miseries and it is designed to 
give us even if there is a happiness it is so temporary and you know it is said that in the material world happiness is just like you know some commas in between all the miseries that are going on around in this world so prabhupad says that this is going to be the it is it is going to be the real it is the reality of life but a person who is completely absorbed in krishna and who is completely absorbed in his services to krishna will not feel the effects he will not feel the pangs of material existence the same way they act on normal people who are actually not you know absorbed in krishna or are not krishna conscious it will not act in that way on devotees so it's not that devotees won't go through troubles it's not that devotees won't go through miseries but because they are absorbed in their services they are able to surmount these miseries and face them uh, very nicely and you know sometimes devotees don't even realize that they are miserable so there are very nice example i was reading i was hearing a lecture by uh, his holiness giriraj maharaj and he was describing from shrila prabhupad's life uh, lifetime like some past times of shrila prabhupad and this also brings out the compassionate nature of prabhupad because that is what we are seeing over here in today's prayers we are seeing how much compassion prahlad maharaj had even though he was happy despite living amongst all these miseries because of his absorption in krishna he is saying at the same time i am unhappy because i can see others are also miserable but because they are not absorbed in krishna they are actually not deriving any happiness and they are not even realizing that because they don't know the goal of life and we see people around us like you know people are miserable but they don't know where to turn to they don't have any shelter they don't even believe in a higher authority they you know most of them are atheists or most of them i don't care attitude they have whether god exists doesn't exist it doesn't matter to me so most of them don't know where to turn to and they just turn to maybe you know their friends who are also fallible soldiers or sometimes i've heard people say oh i go for a long drive to unwind myself so you you know they take they take shelter of all these material fallible sales soldiers which are going to fail them ultimately and that is what prahlad maharaj is expressing his unhappiness about so we see that you know vaishnava is para dukha dukhi that nature of prahlad maharaj is coming out how compassionate he was he has the supreme lord standing in front of him he can ask the lord for whatever he wants but he is expressing that my compassion is for all these people who are suffering in this material world So Shrila Prabhupad, similar, you know, he had a similar mood to uh, uh, Prahlad Maharaj. He he suffered so much to give us what is where we are actually now, right now today. This society of Iskcon. He created a house where everybody could took, could take shelter, like people from all races, all castes, all communities, all parts of the world. that has have come and taken shelter under this house which shrila prabhupada has created but to create this house and to give us all these books which are the guiding principle for iskon today prabhupada had to himself suffer so much we know like we've heard it many times but still it's purifying to read about shrila prabhupada in the leelamrita that he traveled at such an advanced age by ship no money to even take a flight so he traveled by ship suffered uh, two heart attacks 36 days long journey the sea sickness was so bad that it became very difficult for shrila prabhupada to survive and he kept praying to krishna to empower him and to take him and he kept praying to krishna that now you are taking me to the western shores which i'm you know trying to go on the orders of my spiritual master you use me as a puppet in the way you want to deliver those people so we see shrila prabhupada even while he was in india not only the struggle to go to uh, america but while he was in india in delhi he was trying he first tried so much to establish krishna consciousness in india 
he wrote so many books he was residing in radha damodar temple as we know and he used to walk long distances just to save that few paisa of rickshaw fare so that he saves money for printing his books he would himself edit he would himself proofread so everything it was all in one and long distances he would go back and forth at that at that age about 65 or something and while he was in delhi he used to distribute his literatures his back to godhead magazine and once he fainted because of heat stroke like people who are from delhi know that delhi can become so hot in summer so he fainted because of a heat stroke once he was gored by a bull from behind and again he fell down on the road so so many difficulties shrila prabhupad had to go through but still he used to tell the devotees that i did not even see any problems or i did not even see these as problems because i was just focused on uh, fulfilling the order of my spiritual master so in this regard there is a very nice pastime which giriraj maharaj was describing um so shrila prabhupad was in us at that time but he had already established a temple in calcutta and the calcutta temple president he had started doing some business to fund the temple because the temple was really struggling financially at that time and he got so absorbed the temple president got so absorbed in running his business that he the temple duties got started getting neglected and because of that the devotees who were residents of the temple started suffering greatly they did not have much to eat they didn't have much to survive even for deities and all they didn't have much to offer to the deities because the temple was struggling so much financially it is described in it was described by giriraj maharaj that there was one devotee who was an american devotee i believe who was very stout and well built like he was um, part of the red angels uh, bike gang like motorcycle gang or something like that and we know all these bike gang people they are like hefty and tall so obviously he he had that appetite like bima he wanted to eat more but there was nothing so maharaj girirat maharaj was saying that that devotee used to actually once the ghee week had been you know how after we offer aarti we go and actually uh, you know put out the fire and then whatever was ghee was left he used to actually suck that ghee from the ghee wicks just to get some nourishment the situation was so bad so the devotees were suffering greatly and they were just waiting for shila prabhupad to come so that they can express what they are going through and shila prabhupad arrived in calcutta and that time there were not so many disciples that prabhupad had so everybody used to get an audience of shila prabhupad and shila prabhu they all came and met shila prabhupad and they expressed that shila prabhupad this is what we are going through this is the problem we are facing over here and prabhupad became very grave and in a very compassionate voice he, he became he became very concerned about these devotees and very sad to know that these devotees were living in this condition so he became very concerned and with a compassionate voice he actually spoke to tamal krishna maharaj who was the gbc for india at that time and tamal krishna maharaj said but prabhupad i was just trying to execute his divine grace's will like you know trying to make make money for the temple and save money so that we can distribute books and whatever and shilo prabhupad actually replied sarcastically to him he said is it is his divine grace's will that the devotees are suffering like this is that his will So Shrila Prabhupada then immediately made arrangements. Like very, he was very practical in his instructions. He said, "All of you now, you know, form a committee and write down what you all want and make resolutions how you all are going to achieve that. Everybody signs and then everybody works towards that goal." So Shrila Prabhupada took so much interest. If devotees were suffering, he was actually, you know, moved by devotees suffering, and he did not want any of his disciples to suffer. like this but later on just as and you know because he is the spiritual master he has to give instructions from in amidst all these miseries that the devotees were facing and that time he said 
he said what similar to what we read in the purport he said that this is the material world and the miseries are going to be there it is up to us how we are dealing with these miseries and he said that y'all don't know i have not even described to you how much suffering and problems i've gone through in trying to come to america and trying to establish this krishna conscious society i don't talk about them and i did not even see them as issues because my goal was always how do i please krishna and how do i please my spiritual master and because that was my goal these issues or these problems or miseries did not matter at all so apart from you know the heart attacks and all that shrila prabhupad said even when he landed in america because of that you know severe cold that was there the weather changes he had to go through because he was from calcutta calcutta is a very warm place and imagine an old person like if our parents or grandparents come here to melbourne in winter we see how much they start feeling cold and they they want to protect themselves all the time but imagine new york which is has minus you know some degrees temperature and it keeps snow snowing and all so shrila prabhupad was telling the devotees of calcutta that i used to get a constant ringing in my ears in the early days especially and constant headaches i had at that time when i arrived but i never complained to anyone neither did i see them as issues i just thought that these are just you know few hiccups that are coming but my goal is to establish this society and fulfill my spiritual master's order so this was shila prabhupad very compassionate but at the same time very instructive to his disciples in fact once when he was in juhu uh the juhu temple was just being constructed and we know giriraj maharaj was like the main person who was getting trying to get the whole uh, you know go through that whole uh, hassle with mr nair and trying trying to get the whole temple constructed so th- that time you know the temple, the temple was under construction and prabhupada had a small room in the co- in the corner of the hari krishna land it was called in the juhu temple and prabhupada was sitting there and he was talking to some of his disciples and there was a very rough looking man who entered like he was tall and little bit hefty and dark complexioned and he was wearing a little bit of ragged clothes and he entered and everybody you know suddenly there was silence because you know this man has entered and he nobody knows him sort of but that man had some flowers in his hand and he came and he placed those flowers in a little vase on shrila prabhupad's desk and then he paid obeisances and he left and for some time shrila prabhupad just kept looking down he was so choked when he looked up like he was so overcome with emotion and so much compassion he had in his heart when he spoke about this man he said just look at this man so he was obviously you know from the looks he was obviously a laborer uh, who was working on the land of the, the juhu temple you know he was helping in the construction and also he was a construction worker over there and shila prabhupad said just look at him he you know he knows that a saintly person is there over here and how a saintly person should be served and therefore see how he has come and even he collected some flowers from somewhere and he's come and offered them to me so he was so full of his voice was so full, full of compassion and he blessed that man profusely so we see so many examples are there in shrila prabhupada's own life and even in the scriptures we see so many examples of devotees who themselves were completely self realized who's had everything worked out for them they had the lord's association they were absorbed in uh, hari naam but still they were always expressing concern for others and you know there one of the examples is arjuna himself so arjuna is obviously a dear friend of krishna when we talk about the nine processes of devotional service and we talk about sakyam arjuna is taken as an example of sakyam he was so close to the lord so he had he had the lord as his chariot driver he had such close association but still the entire bhagavad gita was spoken because arjuna was feeling compassion compassion for generations to come who would benefit from hearing the bhagavad gita but also compassion for the people who were who were on the other side 
fighting with his grandfather, his guru, the, you know, how the wives will become widows. So he had so much compassion and out of that compassion, this whole Bhagavad Gita was spoken by the Lord. So we have so many examples like that of devotees, even Vasudev Datta in the Chaitanya Charitramrita. He was so compassionate that he would give away everything that he earned. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually had to appoint Shivanan Sen to look after his accounts. And he said that, you please look after his accounts, he's a grahastha, he's not keeping anything for himself. And he's full of compassion and distributing everything away. So you'll take care of his finances and you ensure his family has things to eat. So the scriptures are fully replete with all these examples. And today is the uh, disappearance day of three great personalities actually. So, you know, we'll talk about these personalities because they were also here. They came here because of their compassion. They are actually eternal associates of the Lord, but they just came down because of their eternal compassion for fallen souls. And they set an example for all of us. They didn't come very long ago. So they set an example for all of us to follow. So it's the disappearance day of Raghunath Das Goswami, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami and Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. Like three personalities disappeared on this auspicious day together. So Raghunath Das Goswami, I, yesterday Sri Chaitanya Prabhu uh, spoke very nicely about him. So today we will cover Raghunath Bhatta Goswami and Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami's lives. So Raghunath Bhatta Goswami was an eternal associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was there when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had quite a lot of association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And many of his pastimes are in detail described in the Chaitanya Charitramrita Antya Leela, chapter 13. The chapter is entitled Pastimes with Jagadananda Pandit and uh, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. So from text 39 onwards, the whole association of Raghunath Das Goswami, his life, everything is being described by Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. So Raghunath Das Goswami was around, uh, he was born around 1503, 1503 he was born and his name was Raghunath Bhattacharya. And he, was, he appeared as the son of Tapan Mishra, who was a dear devotee of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Tapan Mishra actually hailed from the village of Rampur on the banks of the Padma River in East Bengal. So that time we had East Bengal and West Bengal, which is present-day Bangladesh. So while he was living, while Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was living as a student in Navadvita Dham, he once took, he had his own tola, tola means his own school where he used to teach grammar and um, the scriptures and Vedas and all that. And he took some of his students on a pilgrimage to East Bengal at that time. And you know, because of his scholarly uh, lectures and you know, he was demonstrating such inconceivable scholarship in the Vedas, in the grammars, and he was teaching Sanskrit grammar so eloquently to all the people there, that his fame had spread all over that uh, place. And thousands of people were actually coming to become his disciples. And there was one sincere person over there whose name was Tapan Mishra, who used to live, live in East Bengal. And he was actually a very sincere seeker of the truth. So he was for years, he had been seeking the truth and he himself was a great scholar. So, but he was not feeling satisfied. He had studied the scriptures, he had studied the Vedas, but he was getting frustrated with this material, materialistic way of life. And he was looking for what is the higher purpose and what, what, what should be the goal of his life. So he was continuously seeking that. And because he was so sincere in his prayers to seek the truth and to seek the goal out, seek out the goal of life, that one day the Lord himself appeared in his dream. And he told him, he told him that I have incarnated in this world and I am just now waiting for you. You come and please meet me. And then he told him in his dream where he should meet him. So being dissatisfied with all this mundane education, all the scholarship that he had and 
everybody just you know being proud about their scholarship and it says vad vad vivad or virandavadam we say so they were all you know just engaged in debates establishing who is more scholarly who has studied the scriptures more he had he was just fed up of all that so when he got this dream he immediately went to that place and he uh, saw chaitanya mahaprabhu sitting there with his disciples and he immediately paid obeisances from a distance and then he held the lord's feet and he asked him he said there is no meaning purpose or satisfaction in my life unless i understand the goal so you please instruct me on the truth and chaitanya mahaprabhu in a very simple and a very clear manner told him that the goal of life was to love krishna and to serve him with mind body words and soul so that is the instruction chaitanya mahaprabhu gave him and the means of developing that love is chanting the 16 syllable mahamantra which is given in the kali santarana upanishad so he instructed him that you chant this mahamantra hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 ram hare ram 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 hare hare he said you chant this mahamantra which is given in the kali santarana upanishad and it is the greatest of all mantras and that is the goal of your life to just keep chanting mahamantra so that is not only the means to achieve love of krishna but that is also the goal of your life that you continue chanting this hare krishna mahamantra and then after giving this instruction chaitanya mahaprabhu gave him a very uh, unique and mysterious instruction he told him that now you go and reside in varanasi with your family so tapan mishra was also a bit bewildered that you know why he sending me to varanasi because at that time in varanasi it was a seat of impersonalism like most of the people who used to live there were mayavadi philosophers and tapan mishra was thinking whose association will i get once i go to varanasi but still he took the lord's instructions as his life and soul so not only he started chanting the hare krishna mantra but he immediately left for varanasi and he went and resided there and he met one devotee over there whose name was chandrashekhar uh, vaidya and the lord told him when he gave him this instruction to go and live in varanasi he said very soon i will come there and i will give you my association and that time i will talk to you further about the importance of chanting hare krishna mahamantra and the truth of life and the goal of life so Chai- chaitanya mahaprabhu after he had taken sanyas we all know from the chaitanya charitramrita he had gone to vrindavan for some time and then on the way back from vrindavan he actually stopped in varanasi for some time before going to jagannath puri and when he was in varanasi he actually stayed there for two months and he stayed in the house of chandrashekhar vaidya but he used to take his prasad in tapan mishra's house and that time by that time tapan mishra already had a young boy called um, who that was none other than raghunath bhat goswami he was called as raghunath bhattacharya who became very attached to the lord in those two months so he would be take great pleasure like raghunath bhattacharya had a very he was also a scholar because his father was a scholar raghunath bhattacharya was already learned in the scriptures and the vedas so even though he was a brahmana and he was a great scholar he would take great pleasure in doing menial services for the lord he would wash his plates when the lord had danced for many many hours in kirtan he would then sit down and massage his feet very nicely so like that he was rendering all types of menial services to the lord and because of that he had become very dear to chaitanya mahaprabhu because of his service attitude so um, uh, he he then you know he kept serving his parents raghunath bhatta goswami and when he became a uh, young enough to travel his father actually instructed him he said now you go and you uh, go and be with chaitanya mahaprabhu for some time and you serve him 
and his mother cooked varieties of foodstuffs and they packed in very nice bags and along with her servant Raghunath Bhatt Goswami proceeded by foot it was a long journey from Varanasi to Puri but uh, Raghunath Bhatt Goswami proceeded with all the eatables his mother had prepared to go and meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Puri so once he arrived in Puri, he was warmly welcomed by Ch Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and all the other devotees over there. They became so happy to see Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. And at that, during that time, he, again, he stayed in Puri for eight months. And he gave whatever his mother had cooked, he gave everything to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became overwhelmed with ecstasy and gratitude. He said, your parents are such great devotees of Lord Krishna. And when I was in your house staying there in two for two months in Varanasi, they served me with so much love. How can I ever repay them? And now also they've sent so much um, things for me to, uh, to eat. So he told his servant Govinda to pack everything away nicely and keep so that he could and honor that prasadam every day. So Raghunath Bhatt Goswami stayed there for eight months and he rendered lots of services to the Lord. And one of his main services was actually to cook for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He would invite Chaitanya Mahaprabhu regularly to his house to take prasad. And it is described that he was an expert cook in the Chaitanya Charitramrita Antya Leela, it's described. He was an expert cook and he, was, he had developed such mastery in cooking that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to feel that whatever he is cooking is just like nectar. And it is described further in by Srila Prabhupada that it was not the expertise in using the spices and the ingredients correctly, which we see like today's chefs, you know, there are shows called Master Chef and all on the TV. So they have this, ex they try to develop expertise in using spices and all the other ingredients to create different, different um, delectable foodstuffs. But here it was described by Prabhupada that for him it was the diligence and care with which he used to cook and the affection with which he used to cook for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and that love which he used to imbue in his cooking that is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was tasting because Krishna is Bhavagrahi Janardana he is not here, he is Lakshmipati what all he doesn't have because he is the husband of the goddess of fortune what does he need from this material world that too from Kaliuga all the inferior foodstuffs that we get nowadays full of pesticides and all so Chaitanya, Chaitanya uh, Krishna is Bhavagrahi Janardana. He is actually just looking at a bhava. And Prabhupada actually describes in the purports. He says the way in which somebody cooks is very important in, in you know, Krishna accepting that bhoga or no. Because if somebody is cooking in an agitated mood, and sometimes it happens when we are getting very late, in the mornings, you know, our husband has to leave for office or we have to leave for office and we are quickly cooking and that time, sometimes we are in an agitated mood because it's getting late, we want to finish the cooking quickly. But Prabhupada warns actually, he says that when you are cooking, if the absorption is fully in Krishna and that mind is there that I am cooking for Krishna's pleasure and for the pleasure of his devotees, then automatically that prashadam will become nectar because Krishna would have accepted it with so much relish. And that is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was demonstrating, uh, demonstrating with Raghunath Bhatt Goswami. He used to tell him profusely that your prasad is like nectar because he was tasting his love all the time. So he, he stayed there for eight months at that time and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ordered him to go back to Varanasi. He said that your parents are very aged, you go and serve them and they are great devotees, they are Vaishnavas. So don't neglect your duty towards them, you go and serve them. So he gave him two instructions. The first instruction was go and serve your elderly parents and stay with them in Varanasi. And the second instruction was study the Srimad Bhagavatam under a pure devotee of the Lord. 
Don't go to any professional reciters or Mayavadi philosophers, but go and study under a pure devotee of the Lord. So uh, Raghunath Bhatt Goswami took that instructions to heart. He came back to Varanasi, he stayed there for four years and he served his parents very nicely, studied Srimad Bhagavatam very nicely and then his parents left for um, the spiritual world and after that he again came. He came back to um, Jagannath Puri to have association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And when he came there, he again stayed for eight months, it is described. And then the Lord, after he stayed for eight months, again his main service was cooking for the Lord and reciting Srimad Bhagavatam. So after that, again the Lord told him that now you go to Vrindavan and you go and stay and associate and take shelter of my two dear devotees, Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami. Take their shelter, study the scriptures under their shelter and serve Krishna under them. So Raghunath Bhatta Goswami became very, um, very sad, very sorrowful and very agitated because he was going to separated, be separated from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could see that, that he is becoming quite um, agitated and very sad. So he took off his own ne neck beads and he put them ar around his uh, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami and he gave his own neck beads as Mahaprasad to him. And along with that, he sent two other items as Mahaprasad with Raghunath Bhatta Goswami for the devotees in Vrindavan. He sent um, a Tulsi Mahal and these, this, these were uh, Mahaprasad of Lord Jagannath actually. So he sent a Tulsi Mala which was eight cubic feet long that had been offered to Jagannath. So he sent that Mahaprasad and he actually sent some Mahaprasad like some uh, rice and all that that had been offered to the Lord. So he sent these pra Prashadam items with Raghunath Bhatta Goswami and that way Raghunath Bhatta Goswami proceeded to Vrindavan. So um, in Vrindavan he was very warmly received by Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami and because he had come from Jagannath Puri they were all eager to hear about the Lord, what the Lord was doing, his pastimes, his leelas, his ecstasies, they were all very eager to hear from Raghunath Bhatta Goswami about that. So uh, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami throughout the day his service was to actually recite the Srimad Bhagavatam. And so many, like you know, many Goswamis were there at that time, all of them would gather. Because Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, when he would recite, he was a very great singer. So when he would recite the Srimad Bhagavatam, he, he almost sounded like a cuckoo bird. It was so melodious. And it is said that every verse he would be able to recite in four different ragas or tunes. And people were, devotees would just come, you know, flock to hear the Srimad Bhagavatam from him or to hear him singing all the verses or even singing um, different bhajans because he was such a great singer. So he would also cook wonderful, delicious pre uh, preparation for the Goswamis and for the deities. And uh, Rupa Goswami's Radha Govinda, he had made that Radha Govinda deity as his life and soul. And he would serve Radha Govinda deities very nicely. And uh, he would worship. So he, he was so absorbed. His only purpose was to serve Radha Govindji very nicely. In fact, you know, he, there was a rich merchant who was traveling. So he got some nice ornaments and all that made for Radha Govindji, like shark-shaped earrings and a beautiful flute and all that made. So his main services were to serve Radha Govindji, to recite Srimad Bhagavatam all the time and absolutely not criticize any Vaishnavas. And Raghunath Bhatta Goswami used to say that everybody is engaged in the service of Krishna, so I do not see any faults in them. So that was his consciousness throughout his life. Because of his absorption in Bhagavatam, because of his absorption, like we see Prahlad Maharaj was so absorbed, because of that he was not feeling any misery in this world. So Raghunath Bhatta Goswami also, because of his absorption, he would see everybody as a dear devotee of Krishna. And even if they had some, you know, faults or some, you know, uh, this thing, he would never criticize them. 
because he said somehow or the other they are engaged in Krishna and that is what Krishna is accepting from them. Who am I to talk ill about any Vaishnavas? So that was his philosophy, never to talk ill about Vaishnavas and never to criticize devotees. So he passed away. So these are some pastimes of uh, Raghunath Bhatt Goswami and he passed away from this earth and entered the spiritual world in 1579. So 1503 he was born and around 1579 he passed away. And Gaur Ganesh Deepika says that he is actually Raga Manjari in the spiritual world. He is an eternal associate of Srimati Radharani who came down over here to you know, set an example for all, for all of us to follow. Uh, we'll spend the next few minutes talking about Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. So Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, obviously we know the main, main thing which he's famous for is for writing the Chaitanya Charitramrita. And that is, has been his greatest service to humanity and especially to Gaudiya Vaishnavas. In fact, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to tell his disciples, he said that one day people will just learn, want to learn Bengali language and become good at Bengali language so that they can relish, read and relish the Chaitanya Charitramrita and understand the Chaitanya Charitramrita. Because obviously Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami has written it in uh, Bengal. But we had again Srila Prabhupada being so compassionate that we, you know, some of us who don't even know Bengali, Prabhupada made it so easy for all of us. He translated all his books into, whether it was Bengali, Sanskrit, he translated them into very simple English language, which anybody could understand, even a layman who has no exposure, exposure to Krishna consciousness or to the bhakti tradition can still understand the Chaitanya Charitramrita. And that is Srila Prabhupada's greatness and compassion on all of us for writing these books, being awake in the night, full night he used to be awake to translate all these books. So this is, this is the main, you know, monumental contribution of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami for Gaudiya Vaishnavas, the writing of the Chaitanya Charitramrita. So, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami was born in a Nadia family of physicians at the village of Jamatpur within the district of Bardhaman uh, near Naihati. So, that is where he was born. Now, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami was a, was a recluse. He did not mention, talk much about himself at all. And therefore, not much is known about his parents or even about his lineage or which caste who he belonged to and all that. So there is, you know, some Vaishnavas give different uh, interpretations. They say that because his name has Kaviraj to it, so that means he must have been a Vaidya. Vaidya means like a physician. That's why they were called as Kaviraj. Some people say that, no, his name is Kaviraj and therefore he must have been a great poet and a scholar. And he must have been a Brahmana. So like there are, and some people say he was a Kayastha. So there are different, different interpretations. But because Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami did not speak much about his previous life to anybody, like there's not much we know about him. But from some of the Vaishnavas, we know that uh, his father's name was Bhagirath and his mother's name was Sri Sunanda. So that is, that has come, come to light recently. And he had a younger brother named Shyamdas. So his name was Krishnadas and the younger brother's name was Shyamdas. So the deities like uh, Madan Mohan or uh, Radha Madan Mohan were the worshipable deities of uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami and he had also established Gaur Nityananda deities um, in his birthplace and they are still being worshipped there by the lineage of um, the Shyamdas like you know his brother's lineage these, these deities are still being worshipped there and in fact Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami's Padukas and some of the manuscripts he wrote in the early days are also still preserved there in his birthplace very nicely 
So Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami once, you know, he had organized a very big Sankirtan festival in his house. And so many hundreds and hundreds and devo of devotees had come that time. And there was a dear devotee of uh, Lord Nityananda called Meenaketan Ramdas. He had also come over there and Meenaketan Ramdas was a very uh, different devotee, a very unique devotee. So he would actually lose himself in transcendental ecstasy whenever, you know, the Lord's Kirtans were being chanted and he would lose external consciousness and sometimes he would, he had a flute. So sometimes he would hit people with the flute, sometimes he would slap them in his ecstasy and this is how he used to ex exhibit the uh, symptoms, transcendental symptoms that he was feeling. So he also came to participate in this uh, Mahakirtan that Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami had organized at his house. And that time everybody, all the Vaishnavas who were gathered there, they were all taken aback looking at the ecstasies of uh, Meenaket and Ramdas. Because he was chanting and dancing jubilantly, he would sometimes fall to the ground, sometimes he would slap someone, sometimes he would hit someone with the flute. But all the devotees, recognizing his greatness, they were falling at his lotus feet and they were paying obeisances to him because they recognized this is a very great Vaishnava. However, there was one person, the Pujari over there, whose name was Gunanava Mishra. And this Gunanava Mishra, he was actually... Uh, he sort of, he was a great devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he sort of neglected uh, Meena Ketana Ramdas and he did not pay much attention to him. And Meena Ketan Ramdas actually became upset with Gunar Nava Mishra. So he actually became upset and he, you know, chastised um, the Pujari. And the uh, Gunar Nava Mishra actually, it is said, he did not take much offense when uh, Meena Ketan Ramdas chastised him. But Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami's brother, Shyam Das, Again, it is said that Shyamdas was also a great devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he did not recognize Lord Nityananda so much. And Meenaketan Ramdas being a, dis a, a, a very dear devotee of Nityananda Prabhu, uh, Shyamdas actually started arguing with Meenaketan Ramdas. He said that, how can you chastise uh, Gunarnava Mishra like that? So he became a bit upset and there was a little bit of a, a heated exchange which happened between Meenaketan Ramdas and Shyamdas. And Meenaketan Ramdas became very upset. So he just broke his flute and he walked away from there because of the way um, Shyamdas dealt with him. But at that time, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, so it is said if we see a blasphemy of a Vaishnava, we should, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said, we should um, go and either protect that Vaishnava and protect his uh, name and his uh, position or we should go and drown in the Ganga. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, and Krishnadas Kavir Goswami took this offense very seriously. So even though it was his own brother who was arguing with Amina Ketan Ramdas, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami did not hesitate to chastise and rebuke his own brother. And he said that a person who recognizes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but does not recognize Nityanand Prabhu, is actually the most fallen person. Because they both are non-different from each other. It is better, it is, he uh, it said in the Chaitanya Sarcharitramrita, that it is better to be an atheist rather than, you know, recognize one and neglect the other. Because Nityanand Prabhu is also the Supreme Personality of Godhead and it's a great offense not to recognize this. And because of this offense which Shyamdas did to Meenaketan Ramdas, he actually fell down from his devotional life for some time. So uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami was so overwhelmed and he was quite disappointed with this whole incident that, you know, such a great Vaishnava like Meenaketan Ramdas was um, insulted and, you know, uh, there was blasphemy done by my own brother um, in my own house. So he was quite disturbed that night and then Lord Nityananda came in his dream. And Lord Nityananda told him, you just 
you become detached from this family home, from your family, from this home and your land of birth. And Lord Nityananda in his dream pointed to the direction of Vrindavan. And he told him that now you go to Vrindavan and you just reside in Vrindavan. So Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami immediately uh, took that order to his heart and soul. Like we saw Tapan Mishra had taken Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's order to go and reside in Varanasi to, as his heart and soul. In the same way, um, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami also immediately, that same night he left for Vrindavan. And going from, uh, he used to live near Naihati, Jamatpur, going from west of India all the way walking till uh, sorry, east of India, all the way walking till almost the north of India in Vrindavan was a huge task and he was already quite elderly at that time. But he still took that whole pilgrimage on foot and he reached Vrindavan. So uh, when he reached Vrindavan, obviously he used to, he had a lot of association of Raghunath Das Goswami. So Raghunath Das Goswami used to, because he had had association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he had witnessed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, the later Leelas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, he used to actually sit and recite those pastimes. And those pastimes were originally written by Swarup Damodar Goswami in his diary, which then Raghunath Das Goswami used to sit on for hours and hours every evening on the banks of Radha Kund. He would sit and recite all the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Krishna Das Gaviraj Goswami was personally present when he, and he heard all these pastimes from Raghunath Das Goswami. And later on, all the Goswamis who were present there in Vrindavan, they actually requested uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami that, can you please write a manuscript? Because you have heard so much from uh, Raghunath Das Goswami, but there is no manuscript specially describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's later Leelas, the Leelas which happened later on in his lifetime. And Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami being a very humble soul, he was very hesitant to write this because already Vrindavan Das Thakur had written the Chaitanya Bhagavat. And he said that, no, Vrindavan Das Thakur is my worshipable Lord and Master. He has already written a manuscript on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life. So I cannot transgress, do this transgression and, you know, try to rise above my senior and write something which has already been captured by him. But still the devotees kept requesting him. They said that uh, Rindavan Das Thakur has captured most of the early pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, but he hasn't captured the later pastimes and all this will be lost. Whatever Raghunath Das Goswami recited will be lost. So you please um, write, the, write this particular scripture. So Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami then went to Madan Mohan deities in Vrindavan just to seek permission from the deities because he saw the devotees were so much encouraging him to write uh, about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So when he was paying obeisances, the garland from Madan Mohan's neck fell down and the pujari came and gave that garland to him and all the Vaishnavas present there acknowledged that yes, you have now received the permission of the Lord as well. So now you please, you know, sit and write this scripture. But Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami is so humble like when we read the Chaitanya Charitramrita, we are currently studying it under um, Keshav Prabhu. You, almost in every chapter, especially in the beginning of the Chaitanya Charitramrita, he is continuously acknowledging Vrindavan Das Thakur's contribution. And he is continuously expressing gratitude for Vrindavan Das Thakur. That he has written such a big, uh, you know, eloquent scripture. I am nothing but a little insignificant ant who is trying to scale the mountain and trying to write, glorify the Supreme Lord. I have no, continuously he is talking, I have no qualification, he has such great qualification, his scripture. So, every time he is expressing gratitude and he is acknowledging. And this is something we saw a few days ago when His Holiness Devamrit Maharaj was here, even at the retreat and in the Bhagavatam class also which he gave here in the temple. He was continuously stressing on this quality of gratitude. 
so gratitude can only come in our hearts when we have acknowledgement for someone if we don't even acknowledge someone has done something for us then where will the gratitude come from so devamrit maharaj was stress stressing in fact he was instructing all of us that maybe we can maintain a gratitude journal and don't even forget one little thing which someone might have done like he himself was quoting his example of how he was warmly greeted when he first time entered the temple and that you know that had created a very because he was so anxious but that warm greeting by a devotee had actually put him he'd allayed all his fears and it encouraged him to go keep going back to the temple so like that every small thing if we you know even remember we note it down and we make a point to go and thank that person that person will be encouraged to then do that act more and more to others as well and that way it spreads the goodwill spreads among others so we see krishna das kaviraj goswami demonstrating that particular virtue he is not only acknowledging krishna das kaviraj goswami all the time plus also demonstrating how he is a insignificant person who is unqualified to write these scriptures and it's only vrindavan das thakur because of his blessings that he is writing and that itself that quality itself is making him the most qualified person that that humility and that gratitude which he was expressing so he he completed at the age of 96 he sat and wrote this whole scripture and if we go to radha kund there is a beautiful picture his samadhi is also there and there's a beautiful picture of krishna das kaviraj goswami very bent over very old and still writing the um, chaitanya charitramrita so again that was out of his compassion for all of us so that we get this monument to read um, this monumental work to read throughout the next few generations so krishna das kaviraj goswami um, is in the gaur ganodesh dipika it is described that he is kasturi manjri in krishna leela and his samadhi is still there like i said in the banks of radha kund so when we go to radha kund we can pray to krishna das kaviraj goswami and his samadhi that we get some taste to um, relish the chaitanya charitamrita and absorb ourselves in chaitanya mahaprabhu's pastimes the the scripture which he so painstakingly wrote so it's time up we'll end the class here granthraj shrimad bhagavatam ki shila prabhupad ki any questions or corrections or additions Hare Krishna Mataji thank you for the nice class Mataji you mentioned our Raghunath Patak Swami when he was um reading the Shrimad Bhagavatam at the start he completely felt that this material world is completely a waste like it's not a good place to be but then later on um, when he started uh, being with the devotees and um he started like relishing the place so how do we understand these two points so Raghunath Patak Swami's father you are talking about him he used to feel this material world is a mundane place to live so yeah he used to feel that because he had not that time he had not uh, started relishing shrimad bhagavatam he was you know reading scriptures different scriptures and vedas and all and he was a great scholar so i am not completely aware whether he was reading shrimad bhagavatam also at that time but through his scholarship and study of the scriptures and the vedas he realized that this mundane education is of no use and you know it is just giving people pride it is making people more and more materialistic trying to show off to each other and you know trying to make money out of their education or something and that is why he was looking at the materialistic ways of people he was feeling very dissatisfied although he himself had spent years studying the scriptures and becoming a scholar he was slowly becoming dissatisfied with the world and that time he was seeking the truth he was going more internal trying to realize what is the truth and what is the goal of life and that's when the lord came in his dream and directed him to go and meet chaitanya mahaprabhu so 
Later on, obviously, then he became a because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave him direct instructions to chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and um, uh, to actually go and sit with, uh, reside in Varanasi where he got the association of Chandrasekhar Vaidya as well, another devotee. So that's how then he started relishing. So it was Raghunath Bhattagoswami who used to relish the Srimad Bhagavatam and recite it in very beautiful tunes and all that. But his father was more of a scholar, a mundane scholar who then started realizing this is not enough in life. In Mataji also, when I went to Vrindavan, um, in the Radharaman temple, I heard about this Swam, uh, Goswami called Sri Pundrik and he comes. I was Shri reading. Sri Pundrik and he comes in the lineage of Raghunath Bhattakoswami. I was reading about him. But whereas, uh, uh, when I heard him, his teachings are much more different than the Skon teachings and even his Tilak. Uh, is there any significance if you know about it? And the reason behind it. Um, I have not heard of this devotee. Gopavrindesh Prabhu, do you know? So there's a devotee uh, about whom uh, she heard in the Radha Raman temple called Pundrika. Shri Pundrika. He comes in the lineage of Raghunath Bhattagoswami, but the Tilak is different. So there are many, like, you know, there are many uh, Vaishnavas and many different sub Vaishnava sects also in Vrindavan, and we've seen the Tilak slightly differs for these sects. So, but yeah, not very sure, but sometimes the Tilak differs little bit. They are, they are mostly, the, all of them are Gaudiya Vaishnavas, especially who are coming in the lineage of the Goswamis, but sometimes, you know, there might be a little bit of deviation because of which the Tilak might be different. But the teachings, I hope the teachings were Vaishnava teachings. Teachings were also different from Iskwan. Oh, okay. Not, not yours. <laughs> Any other questions? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So I just want to know when a body, when a person dies. So we all of us knows that there's a soul living inside a body. So what happens to the soul when a person dies? That where does it goes? Like does it go somewhere? Or just want to know about that. Very nice question. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking. So um, first of all, you know, congratulations that you're at least recognizing the soul is different and the body is different. Not many people even have this knowledge. So that's really good that you've taken that step forward. So once, you know, the body is perishable, but the soul is eternal. So the soul is everlasting and eternal. It doesn't perish or it doesn't die when, the, when a person dies. When the person dies, it's just the body has, you know, the soul has left the body and that is what is called as death. So the soul is an eternal part and parcel of Lord Krishna who is eternal and therefore the soul also doesn't get vanquished or doesn't perish at all. And once a person dies, so depending on the way he has lived his life, and that is why the theory of karma is there. Like, do you, have you heard about reincarnation and karma? Yeah, so yeah, so the theory of karma is there that the way you have lived this life, that is, that, that is how you are preparing your next life. So you might get some reactions in this lifetime itself of any, you know, good activities or bad activities that you do. But at the same time, parallelly, because of your desires and the activities that you do, you are preparing your next body as well. So it is we who are preparing our next body through our activities and through a karma. And the goal is, and you know, if this, someone has, let's say they, they were very pious people who were doing a lot of charity and all that, and they had a desire to be born in a very rich family or go to heavenly planets or something like that to enjoy further opulence. So then that soul, you know, and the soul is always accompanied by Paramatma, super soul we call. So they both are together inside, the, uh, inside a jiva. 
and the super soul is none other than Lord Krishna and that super soul is actually then carrying the soul once the body when the person dies the super soul carries that soul into the next body into the womb of a mother of the next body based on what activities and what whether desires and deserving so the my desire might be that I become the president of America in my next lifetime but do I deserve it so desire and deserving both go hand in hand and based on that the super soul carries the soul to the next body so if someone has spent their time like you know like i said doing lots of charity and having a desire that i should be born in heaven then yes they might go to heaven or somebody has not spent their life very nicely they were eating meat they were doing sinful activities then they might go to either the hellish planets or they might go to a lower species of life like if they have somebody is fond of eating meat then they might get a lion's body because that is more suited for eating meat. The human body is not meant for eating meat. So it all depends on what activities we are doing and what our desires are which are creating impressions in our mind. And therefore as devotees of the Lord we know the goal is actually to escape. We don't want to keep taking birth in different bodies within this world. Because this material world is still you know whether we go to heaven, hell or on this earth it is still inside the you know it's it's still inside a jail it's a jail we want to escape from this jail and go to the spiritual world where we never die like you know where we are always engaged in the pastimes of the lord and that is the whole process of you know doing bhakti chanting the Hare krishna mantra, doing services to lord krishna reading scriptures and that way we are preparing our next lifetime to be spent with the in the lord's association in the spiritual world so that's how different destinations are for the soul depending on different activities and desires that the soul has anything else we'll end the class here Srila Prabhupada ki yeah.